once more with feeding the 20th anniversary Buffy fancast. I am your watcher Kinsey. I'm your watcher Donna. I'm your watcher Jack. Oh god, we went a different direction. I'm your watcher Adrian. <laughs> but you said your title, Adrian. That's what matters. I just want to say this is not a deliberate bit. We did not plan that Adrian would always screw up her introduction. This just happens. But I, guess, I, I do one thing very well. I guess now it is a bit, so we're just going to have forever. You're going to have to screw up your introduction. I shall always forever. have to make sure I have snacks and coffee near me during introductions. As a long-term friend, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so what did we just watch, Kinsey? Well, we just watched Angel, which is, I'm totally stealing the X-Files word here, a mythology episode. And it's basically Angel's backstory, amongst other things. And let's get into it. Not amongst much else. Eh. I'm, there's one bit I know we're going to talk about, so that's why I said... There were, there were other things the episode tried to do. So my first note is the bad voiceover is still there. Yes, that is also my first note. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a hard time finding... Okay, there's my notes. <laughs> Darla's back! Yes, she is. Well, not anymore. Darla was back. <laughs> briefly. Uh, so yeah, so this episode, as Kenzie said, was just a uh, was basically a mythology episode, a little bit of Angel's backstory, a little bit of Darla's backstory. I did, I was impressed with how consistent they are with their mythology because when they get into the series Angel and start delving into a lot of their backstory, they went, they were in Budapest during the earthquake at the turn of century. So. Which was a thing they mentioned in this episode. That is one thing I love about this show. I mean, it did this thing that I remember Xena, uh, the warrior princess, doing a lot. Um, and and it was basically like calling back to previous episodes, like mm-hmm. episodes that happened a long time ago. And uh, But unfortunately, what most shows did before Buffy that I can remember is they called back to something previous that was kind of interesting, and then they went in an entirely different direction that was weird. Like, like so they didn't really respect their previous material. But Joss Whedon has always really respected, like, what he came up with before, and he's always built upon that instead of, like, oh, I like this one thing, scrap everything else, let's, like, yeah. Just to be clear... He did not write this episode. I kind of had a feeling he did it. And you know why? Because Angel saved Buffy. Mmm, you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, this episode was written by David Greenwald. Yeah. When did Angel save Buffy? When the three had her and two of them were holding her and one of them was coming in for a bite and Angel grabbed that third one and pulled her off of her. Okay, I don't count. I, I didn't count that as a save because... Angel didn't. Angel was the one who was the most injured out of that fight, and while Buffy couldn't at this point take on three powerful vampires or three viral vampires, as uh, as Giles says, um, he <laughs> <laughs> three viral vampires. Um, he did. Uh, he interrupted. He interrupted them from being able to continue what they were doing, ganging up on her, and as soon as. One of them was off. Buffy took care of the two that she had. Mm-hmm. Like so, so I didn't think that of that as like a save so much. It's like, like it wasn't a rescue. It wasn't like a, like. Yeah, it like, definitely wasn't a damsel in distress. It exactly. more was like an assist. Like, okay, I'm going to tag you in, kind exactly, of thing. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I know what you're trying to say, and I definitely. This is something I wrote down. I definitely feel 
they still are trying to work out Buffy's strength level because it was something we all were talking about while we were watching it. Later season Buffy would have had no problem, regardless of the fancy title the big bad gave them, of taking them out. So that's why I still think that they're they're, they're I, trying to figure it out. I also feel like there's a little bit, it's something I complained about in one of the first episodes, in fact maybe the first episode, where I didn't feel like they had adequately established how strong Buffy was in order for you to be impressed by the fact that Luke was kicking her ass. And I kind of felt like there was a little bit of that going on, that we were supposed to be going, oh my god, they are beating Buffy. And I, I feel, still don't feel like, I feel like that I can complete that thought. Yeah, well, I feel like there was kind of a problem with them in general because they're named, like they're called The Three. Mm-hmm. They have a big introduction Giles is able to find them in books. They have uniforms. And then the master is just like, oh, they failed once. Better kill them. And I was like, really? <laughs> it well, seems like you don't just kill an asset like that. The, the, the master was definitely uh, having a bad day. He was, he was not having... He was, he was being a little bit... Niedermeyer-y? Niedermeyer, he was being a little bit of a, of a little bitch. I gotta say, I, I, I think that television does a better job of it now than it did back then. But back then, we're still talking about overcharacterized, characterized mm-hmm. villains who like, yeah, like the whole constantly killing your people. Like I, I just like it, that's a thing that many villains do, and with and most of the time, it's just like. At some point, man, like I, I can't work for you anymore. Like, <laughs> like it doesn't matter if I do well or not. <laughs> so your job retention rates are great, and it's mostly your own fault. So, like, I'm not. I don't want to do it. The pay and benefits are fantastic, but the work hazard is just. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of things that were okay to do then, and maybe not so much now, <laughs> I feel like Romani are like the last people that you can still like make racist characters about and people I, are okay with it. I did at least appreciate that Angel called them the Romani first. Yeah. And then followed up with gypsies as if to say, if you don't know what Romani are. It's true, it's true, but um, it's true, but I still like the Romani curse is essentially like if you had a Native American character who was sitting on a, the porch of a tobacco shop wearing a headdress smoking a pipe and telling people to go find their spirit animals. Yeah, and like, and like, I don't know that. Okay, so I just, I just named the Romani people. You don't know who they are. Let me use a racial slur to clarify. <laughs> yeah, like, like you just wouldn't do that. Like, I, I just, and, and I, I, I was thinking about like, what, what group can I use a racial slur for that isn't like, that isn't going to be as offensive? But no, all of them are offensive. The only one that's not offensive to many people, mostly non-Romani are gypsy is is gypsy like mm-hmm. it's it's the only one that most of us don't care about but is a is a word that well, let me Romani ask don't you, like if you didn't know if I said Romani and you didn't know who they were how would you like me to tell you who they were I think I think so you could go the easy route and be like well okay racial slur you're probably more familiar with the racial slur or you could tell me like a little bit about them and then I might, in my ignorance, say, oh, you mean the racial slur, <laughs> this racial slur that I'm familiar with, and uh, familiar with, and you would be like, yes, but we don't call them that. We prefer not to use that word, yeah. Yeah, it's like, like okay, so like, if, if you were to, if 
if I was talking to you about the Jewish people, and, and the only word that you knew happened to start with a K, not a J, um, then like then, it, and I felt like that was the only way to explain it to you. I would instead do like go back and be like, oh well, you know the. They were uh, the people who were the most victimized during the Holocaust. Uh, they were. I'm gonna say I don't think I'd do that. Really? Like, I, like, like, like I, I will, I will, I, I, I don't think I would do that. You prefer the racial slur? I, I, I honestly don't know what I would tell somebody about Romani to get them to understand who they are. With like, like I, I'm, I'm, I think I would go with Jack's solution. I think I would, I, think, I would be like, you don't know who the Romani are? Well, listen, this is not a cool word anymore, but you might know them as gypsies. That's, yeah, that, I, I, I might say that. Yeah. But I don't think I would be like, oh, you know, the people in Europe that everybody hates because they're stereotyped as being as stealing children, and nomads and stealing children. I, I don't think I would do that. <laughs> and just by the way, if you are not familiar, they really don't like being called gypsies. So there. So yeah, now you know. <laughs> I just like for sure, my go-to would not be like. Well, let me use the racial slur. And respect for continuing to not use it. Yeah. Like, okay. Can we talk about the fumigation party? We can talk yeah. about the fumigation party because that's just funny. <laughs> I I I feel like. Teenage me, if I were to move into a new town and go to this cool new club, and then to discover that they have a fumigation party where you can kill a roach and get a free drink, I would be fucking horrified. And teenage me would never, ever go back there. I think teenage me would have been about that. I do love that it was Cordelia that presents a roach. (laughs) Of all the characters, that Cordelia is holding a roach in her fingers. I was laughing. As a teenager, I would do that too if everyone else was doing it. Like, Uh, like I would for sure not do it unless I was like, on my own I might do it. Because I'd be like, ooh, look, scientific study of a roach. Uh, I apologize. Oh, that is okay. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting Jack to apologize for interrupting Kinsey. Um, I'm sorry to both of you. (laughs) But, uh, but I, uh, I do, I forgot what I was saying Right. It's okay. You scientific exploration of oh, oh, but if but if a whole bunch of people were doing it at a party, then I would totally get into it. I would never. I, I yeah, just, <laughs> I'm with you, Adrian. Teenage me would have been like, no, I'm out. Sorry, these are. I have a little bit of a line here, and I'm the whole sanitation thing. It just it, it, it skeeves me out a little. It, it skeeves skeeves me out now. Skeeves me out back then. Yeah, I had an ex that had a, whose family had a big roach problem. And I just, I could not, like, once I realized, once a, a roach fell on me from the ceiling, and I was like, I'm done. I'm sorry. Love you. Never coming back. Yeah, I guess I never experienced that trauma. I, I just, I don't, I'm not a big fan of bugs in general. If it, if it has more than two, more than four legs. Now, see, I, I was once making gravy and found a roach floating in my gravy, and we did not have that meal that night. So, that, that I've, I've seen roaches in food, and that's made me not hungry. Yeah. Uh, in general, for anything. Yeah. Also, they had the fumigation party, and as Kinsey pointed out while we were watching the episode, Buffy is then able to go fight Angel in the in the bronze without there being, like, a tent or yeah. bombs or... There was no tent. Like, everything that I've seen, like, okay, we're going to fumigate something. We've got it all quarantined off. It looks like a giant circus. It's fantastic. And there is nothing but a nice little sign written in chalk it looks like outside and it says by the way fumigation blah 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 uh, well so the the other thing is Buffy is going out 
to find Angel where he lives, which she assumes is near the bronze because that's where Angel keeps finding her. So she looks around and she goes to the bronze, <laughs> um, where she finds him. And as far as we know, Angel hasn't moved. Like, Angel is still in his apartment, uh, which, which I guess is in the bronze. It's in the so, alternate dimension bronze. Yeah. You knock three times on the door, turn counterclockwise, and, and then you open <laughs> the door, and that's how you get to Angel's apartment instead of the bronze. The point is that we, like, they don't have any other stats, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. They've got the school. They've got the bronze. They've got Buffy's house, and that is it. Yeah. That's what they can afford. <laughs> it was UP and so guys. I'm not gonna get on them because they can't afford a tarp. Like, like they, they probably can't. It wasn't UP and it was CW, wasn't it? No, it was CW. No, it was the WB. Yeah, the WB. The CW was around. Well, let's. Uh, uh, we still have the chalkboard font in this episode too. Just, just gonna throw that out there. Okay. Um, I want to talk about Xander because we talk about Xander every episode. Oh, My note on we, Xander is Xander Stop. Before we talk about Xander Stopping, because like I really want to talk about how this show utterly failed the Bechdel test. Did it? Oh my god. I was so bored of hearing <laughs> women talk about Angel. Mostly Angel, but like I'm tired of hearing women talk about Angel. They, like, it was... Always conversations about guys. The first time Willow and Buffy sit together for an extended scene uh, in this episode twice, and both times they're sitting there and they're talking about guys generally. And then uh, Willow is like, goes into a little thing about Xander and how lovely Xander is. And I'm like, oh man, he is not a good match for you. Um, and <laughs> on a number of levels. On a number of levels. And then uh, Buffy's going on about Angel, and I'm like, please talk about anything else. Talk about the Civil War. I want to hear more about the Civil War. <laughs> Dude, I was, like, you said, yeah, I, like, I was honestly just really bored in this episode. And I had to keep resisting the urge to, like, like my, my phone kept buzzing, and I was like, yeah, I'll check that message. <laughs> and and I kept hoping it was some message that I needed to respond to, and it never was. But I, yeah. And I was really bored, and I was really frustrated with both Willow and Buffy. Because Willow was so much pining after Xander, who is a D-bag <laughs> about this Buffy thing. And Buffy's pining about Angel, who I just don't love. And... I was just really frustrated because like, I don't understand mm-hmm. at this point exactly what Buffy sees in Angel because they haven't even really interacted that much. And when they mm-hmm. have interacted, he's been so busy being the mysterious, broody, cryptic you just, dude. Don't he let, just won't talk. Why won't he just say things? Don't yeah. let him be, don't let, I mean, sorry, Buffy being into Angel doesn't bother me so much. It's Buffy being into Angel and then every single conversation she has is about it. And the same thing with Darla. Darla enters the scene, enters the scene with other women, and all she can do is talk about Angel. And when she's talking to Angel, she's talking about Buffy. When she's talking, she's talking about Angel. And I'm just like, do the women in this episode have anything else to say? Like, you know, please. This is the second episode that opens up with Buffy being sad about a dude. The other one is never kill a boy on the first date. Yeah. And she was sad about Angel then too. She was sad about Angel then too, but I just realized never kill a boy on the first date, even though there were parts of it that I really liked. I almost completely forgot about that episode once we were done watching. It's very forgettable. And and I like I think the only reason I won't forget about this one is because I was just aggressively bored. Well, I'm gonna get back to Xander and say 
I really think what we're seeing here is, you know, when, when a new show starts, it takes a little while to find, for everyone to find their character. Mm-hmm. And those first few episodes with Xander, I found him completely objectionable. And we're to a point now where I'm like, oh, I think this is the Xander that I used to like. Because he's still got some issues, but I don't find myself going, oh, God, no, Xander, no. As much as I was in those first few episodes. I would have agreed with you last episode. Mm-hmm. This episode feels like a regression. This episode feels like a regression in a lot of ways. Like, I even feel like the lighting was worse in this episode yeah. than it was in the last one. Well, see, that kind of then brings me up to something I noticed, and this is kind of so, like, superficial. But Bubby's hair is less blonde, and it makes me wonder how early this episode was written and filmed, even though it shows up later in the season. So they wrote this very early on before, you know, mm-hmm. finding the characters, doing hair, whatever you want to call it. And I kind of feel this is that, that they filmed it very early, written very early, that they knew that, okay, we're going to have the anointed one, we're going to have the master, uh, this is what's going on, so we can, we got this script knocked out, let's go ahead and film it, let's do this. And they hadn't locked the characters down, where maybe they got picked up for a couple more episodes, so they did the filler, Never Kill a Boy on the first date, and everybody's a little bit more fleshed out. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if that's the case going on. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, you can't really air this one out of order, but you could have filmed it out of order. Yeah. Well, something else I'll say about Xander is we were talking earlier about the consistency. Um, Xander never varies off of that opinion of Angel. No, he does um, not. <laughs> there, there, are, there are points when he's a little more accepting of Angel, but there is never a point that he is really on board with this whole concept of Angel. And uh, I just, I, I like that his first real expression of uh, opinion about Angel is we should kill him, and that remains pretty much his opinion. <laughs> Forever. Forever. I thought it was very convenient. How Buffy invited Angel into her house. Well, we also kind of had to double check that to make sure we weren't. Yeah, they we weren't, did. weren't breaking any, you know, established vampire. Yeah, we had to rewind it because they did break an established vampire rule in this episode. Hold that thought. We did discover that she did, in fact, say, "Come on, get in" to Angel as they were running into the house. So she did, in fact, invite him in. But she did not invite the three in, any of the three. And one of them was able to reach across the threshold of the door in order to cause him his, his hand to keep the door from closing. That doesn't seem like much because, sure, the vampire didn't go into the house. But if that were the way the rule happened, then a vampire and a mortal who the vampire is trying to kill could not stand on either side of a door and have a conversation, which they have in later episodes. Literally, like the, the, the effect is kind of like a force field on the threshold. Every single time they've shown it, it's a force field along the threshold of the door that the vampire cannot move through, not his hands, not his head, not any part of his body. They can't reach through doors. They just can't go in like at all. I just had a thought. Darla was using guns in this episode. Could a vampire stand on the outside of a house and, and shoot, shoot inside? Into yes. House? Yeah. Yeah. It just can't be any part of themselves. I thought the guns were interesting because I don't think they really come back much except in earshot. No, they really don't. You do not see a lot of guns in this show. Every once in a while, they will use uh, they will use a projectile weapon in order to take out something that is like really really powerful, or like or as a way of like demonstrating. 
no, shit's getting serious now. Like, we're, we're doing something. But big. not really guns. Like, not even much when the initiative gets involved. Like, you just don't see guns very often in the show. That's true. The initiative does have their rifles. They shoot those rifles. But not very much, is what I'm saying. That's true. It's not generally something that a main character is doing or that the camera is paying any particular attention to. So Darla, in, until Earshot, I think Earshot is the only other episode I can think of where guns play a role at all, and it is her stopping a school shooting. See, and I found Darla using the guns very distracting and very barbaric. Like, I don't know, I just, it just, it just felt... Just Darla-ish? Yeah, it just felt low, just real... And like I said, barbaric was what I wrote down. It just, I just didn't like I think, it. I feel like as, as nerds, we have been sort of conditioned to see guns as being a cheap way out of a fight. The good <laughs> guys never use guns. Only bad guys use guns. They're presented to be something that takes no skill to use, but being highly dangerous. And so I feel like whenever I see a character using a gun, my immediate thought is, you're better than this. Same <laughs> when my fandom, guns don't bother me like I love aliens and those pulse rifles. I want one of those. I want one of those in my house. I want to walk around and carry it. But it's a pulse rifle, Kenzie. It's not a gun. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but it's still a projectile weapon to blasters, use. Blasters. Blasters. Not guns. I guess. Maybe. But even with blasters, they use lightsabers. So True. And maybe maybe we're splitting hairs here, but I guess. I don't know. Like, it just it just took me out. I'm just. No, no. I'm with you. I didn't, I didn't really like. Darla using the guns either, and especially like for that to be her death scene. I love gun. I, I love it. I like. I thought it was great. I, I I think the episode did a very bad job of doing a lot of things, um, <laughs> in, things. including this. Um, but when I've seen it in other things, and I remember when I saw it here, I thought it was badass. Like I thought it was uh, now badass, but also evil. Like, okay. it was definitely a thing that an evil person would do because the evil person enters a fair fight where I'm going to go mano a mano and then pulls out a gun. Like, but it was very much, to me, it was very similar to uh, that indie moment in Indiana Jones of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark where the, the swordsman is doing all those cool tricks and Indiana Jones just pulls out his gun and shoots him. Uh, to me, it's, it's more of that. It's like that, like, I'm going to have, uh, like, I'm here. I'm here to fight the Slayer, but I'm not going to take the Slayer on my own. So I'm pulling out a gun. Like, I think that's awesome. Like, I, I thought okay. that was great. I wrote a note here, and I'm, I'm actually only mentioning it because maybe somebody can help me figure out what I was talking about. I wrote down, maybe, an attempt to demon. To demonize I don't know. I, don't know. I, I, I bet that that was supposed to be demonized. Yeah. But I don't know. If it came right before I wrote down Joyce with Mom Face of Doom. Oh, you're probably talking about how Darla was setting Angel up to demonize him. Maybe? Maybe. That's the only thing I can think of. So, Joyce with the Mom Face of Doom, when, when she comes home and Angel is there, I love that it was not a temper tantrum along the lines of, you get out of my house. Mm-hmm. It was just a, I see you. I see you in the house with my teenage daughter. I see you. I love Joyce. <laughs> She's awesome. <laughs> um, do, do we want to talk about Xander? More? Well, yeah. Okay. Like My note cool. here is Xander stop. And like, I, like, I know that I, there are parts of Xander I legitimately like. I love that he is the, like, the norm in the show, mm-hmm. that he's the one with no powers, he's just a dude. Uh, if you guys 
You're a weird sound. Maddox is under the table making <laughs> doggies. Maddox has opinions about Xander as well. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and I love. I love so many of his lines. Xander has some of the best lines. Some of the lines that I quote more than anything mm-hmm. else. But I'm just so tired of him obsessing about Buffy. He does get past it eventually. Does he? Thank God, yeah, he does. Well, let's <laughs> take a moment to remember that one of the lines in his song with Anya is Anya saying, when things get rough, he just hides behind his Buffy. Now look, he's getting huffy because he knows that I know. So he gets better. He gets better. Not not completely cured, but he gets better. I mean, he 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 no longer sees her as a as like a love interest, but I mean, they are the closest of friends, Buffy. He and so Willow. I think I'm coming from this coming at this from a place of having a very long time friend who has for a very long time had a crush on me. And has in the past said incredibly hurtful things about... He's, a, he's nuts. There is a stare down going on over here. <laughs> I disagree. Xander makes Anya feel shitty because of how he feels about Buffy. I don't think he makes her feel that shitty. I disagree. <laughs> I, 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 I disagree. And so I think... I don't know. Just Xander's obsession with Buffy has crossed... We're not even even out of season one, <laughs> which is a short season. And it has crossed from being like a cute, oh, I can totally ship them to a, dude, you got to stop. I am done with this. Uh, I think I think I would be much more concerned if Xander was not 16. Um, if, yeah. Xander was, if Xander was a 22-year-old, I would be like, okay, you are, you are, you are going to get the wind up with a charge of some kind. Like you need to stop. It's <laughs> going to get you arrested. I, I think um, I might. I think I might be a little bit overly uh, sensitive to it right now. I just finished watching the new Netflix show Thirteen Reasons Why, and Thirteen Reasons Why focuses on this girl who is essentially slut shamed, and these guys she, like th- these guys like her and treat her inappropriately, and it is. An incredibly good and uncomfortable show to watch. And I think that having watched that and then watching Xander treat Buffy like this is just tweaking a lot of yeah, buttons in Sure, sure, sure. Well let's let's move on from that. I wanna I wanna quote the word has just left my mind. Apprentice watcher watcher yeah. initiate. Initiate Watcher Initiate sounds fine. We'll go with Initiate Watcher CJ. I'm going to have to edit a bunch of that out. The Initiative <laughs> Watcher CJ made one of the great greatest comments when Giles is convinced it's going to take Buffy forever to learn uh, quarterstaff, and then she knocks him out in three blows, and CJ says, Slayer comes with martial arts proficiency. <laughs> that is a gamer geek yep. joke. Okay. Oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about Angel and... Him, Angel at Buffy's house a little bit more. Dude, she's 16. Dude, (laughs) she's 16. I was just going to say, he's a horrible sneaker because he's stomping up those stairs. It's like, come on. I know, and they go into her room and he's like, I don't want to get you in trouble, Buffy. And I'm like, what are your voice? (laughs) (laughs) The house is not that big. Angel has no inside voice. It's not. Um, But... When when they kiss and then he vamps out and Buffy screams, 
like a typical girl in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, the fuck are you doing, Buffy? That is not a Buffy reaction. And it really bothered me that she just stood there screaming until he body surfs down the roof. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I like, I justified it in my mind is she wasn't a slayer at that moment discovering that someone was a vampire. She was a teenage girl discovering that the boy she liked is dead. Huh. I like that. Okay, but we've already seen her discover that a friend is dead with Jesse. That was not a friend. That was like, she did not even meet the guy, basically. But she was, like, I don't know. I She, she barely met him. She met him, and he was nice to her. Yeah. And he was friends with Willow and Xander. And I just, I want to make a stand right now. Even though the show may forget that Jesse exists, we should never do that. I, I think I think Willow and Xander should not forget that he exists because they <laughs> knew him for a very long time. But it's okay if Buffy does because Buffy knew him for like a second. I know, but, but I, I just, I don't know. The, the reaction seemed weird to me and it really bothered me. And it also really shocked me that she was so very surprised about this because she's not dumb and she is a slayer and she had every clue. Like, I honestly had forgotten that she didn't know he was a vampire. Right. I, I feel like this episode had some sloppy writing in it. Absolutely. And, and yeah. that one was one of the examples because they needed her to scream so that... Oh, no, 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 no. That was that was when... Um, they needed Joyce to that scream. That was when Joyce screamed. At any rate. Um, for instance, when Angel is holding an unconscious... Joyce that Darla has just bitten and Buffy walks in. Why do you not say it wasn't me? I didn't do it. It was Darla. She did it. Yeah. Because, well, and also, why do you growl? Uh, why do you growl? So, so here's <laughs> another moment where I think this show, the the show, did a very sloppy job of doing a lot of really great things because it makes total sense for me that he would growl because as a vampire, he is he is a vampire. He's vamped out, which means the demon is active, mm-hmm. and the demon's got blood right there. Yeah. And Buffy comes in, the de- not Angel, but the demon inside of him that is moving, that is uh, giving him impulses and drives, is seeing Buffy as, you are here to take my food away. Okay, I can buy so, that. That's fair. My dog sometimes gets pissy about his food, sure. Yeah, so the, demon, so the demon inside of, while Angel himself is like, Buffy, I have to explain to her that I didn't do this because I care for her, and I would never do this. The demon is like, food, why are you here? Get out! True, but later, when she follows him outside and says, you're not welcome here, at this point, it's not just an I'm innocent. It's a, there's another vampire out there who has permission to come into your house, and you might want to consider that. Yeah, I mean... That was an important piece of information that he did not give her. That's a good point. He really, really should have fucking told her that. And and I I can understand as a teenage boy, if he were a teenage boy, which does not make sense because he's uh, two hundred fifty something. Well, okay, hold on. Even if you take into even even if you assume vampires stop mentally maturing when they turn, I don't think he was a teenage boy when no, he, was he was. No, 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 he, he doesn't. Was he wasn't. Adult. This is not. This is not me defending. This is this is, as if he were a teenage boy. I could see him being like, Buffy doesn't like him anymore. I should just leave. Leaving is the best thing I can do right now. But like, but he was an adult when he was like, 
he was an adult, he was a drunkard, and he, like, was changed. And so he had all the cognitive capabilities there to recognize what was the most important thing. So I'm going to say that was a moment where the episode could have done better. Right. Because there's a lot of really cool things that, like, mm-hmm. the episode just just barely failed to do. Yeah. All right. What else have we got? Uh, PTSD. Oh, yeah. When Joyce oh. hits the floor and Buffy is calling 911 and going, Mom, Mom, I, I, I just could not stop. Uh, actually, I'm getting chills. Yeah, I could not stop right thinking now. about the body. And, like, it it, it made me tear up. I, oh. mm-hmm. I don't understand. There wasn't a body in this episode. What are you talking about? The, are you kidding? <laughs> He's, fine. He's being funny, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, trying. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm in denial. It's okay. okay. I don't have to. I don't have to accept anything that you people are th- saying or thinking We're until right. season six. <laughs> I have I have a good many years of freedom left. Okay, great line when Buffy is encouraging Willow to talk to Xander, and she says that way leads to madness and sweaty palms. <laughs> great line. Uh, speaking of quotes, there was a quote that Darla says to Angel. When he's got her up against the wall and she says, what do you want? And he says, I don't remember what his answer was, but she says, that's good. You're hurting me. That's good, too. And when she said that, I always knew that Buffy taught me a lot about sex. But as soon as she said that line, I was like, oh, suddenly a lot of my sexuality quirks make sense. (laughs) So. You're disgusting. You disgusted me. So this is all all, all Joss Whedon's fault. (laughs) So I have a rule slash note. Maybe when giving awful vicious backstory, don't give it during the fight with the Slayer when she thinks you bet on her mom. That was purposeful. He definitely wanted her to kill him. He definitely, like, the goal was, I'm going to tell you this story, and whatever bit of compassion that's holding you back, that's going to stop, and you're going to put me down, and I'm going to be finally free of this shit. Like, he definitely wanted that. Yeah, I, like, intellectually, I know that. Acting and writing wise, it was that not. Was, yeah, that was awful. Yes. But, but still, there's another vampire who has permission to come into your house. Is an important piece of information. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm sure that it's just sloppy writing that he doesn't tell Buffy that. But I have a hard time just separating my like. I'm like, it may be sloppy writing, but it's still a thing that you made this character do. So I'm still gonna hate Angel for the fact that he didn't think to tell Buffy this. Um, I'm going to talk about the lighting again a little bit more. Okay. Because I mentioned earlier that the lighting seemed worse in this episode. It was really... I don't know what kind of nuclear thing was happening in Sunnydale over this period of time. But the light was all really bright lights. Yeah, it was... And, like, it was so bright at one point in the master... like, Like, after... I think after, whenever the Darla is about to kill the three, that the Master is talking and Colin is in the background, and he literally can't even open his eyes. He can't look like, up. His face is twitching and he's squinting because the light is so damn bright. Yeah, that's child abuse is what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and that kind of... So during that scene, all I can focus on was how red the master's nose was. And it it was so super distracting with his Kool-Aid mouth. Yes, that Kool-Aid mouth, exactly. Normally I think that looks pretty natural, but this time I was like, 
Nobody's makeup looks natural. Everything looks awful. No, see, I like Darla. This is the first time I've liked Darla's vampire makeup, and I don't know if it is the contrast when she switches schools to the red uniform, <laughs> and that that may have helped her. But I actually enjoyed her her vampire makeup. She was speaking more clearly. Well, except when she was shooting her guns, and then she became a Southern Belle. So I don't know what that was weird. Right? I don't know if that was like a choice, kind of being like a cowboy, like. You know, like, oh, hey, I'm going to shoot you up. She's from Virginia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Darla's from Virginia. That doesn't mean she should sound like a cowboy. That's true. She's from Virginia. She's from Jamestown (laughs) in Virginia. Like, literally Jamestown Colony, Virginia. Spoilers. I don't know that about Darla. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. You don't find out in this series. That's why I don't know that about Darla. (laughs) Okay, so Darla, with her guns... Exhibits very poor firing technique. <laughs> and uh, what what she's doing is she's got her elbows in by her side, and she's she's holding two guns, kind of at a, well at about nipple level, really. Yeah. Um, but the the thing that really got me is she she kind of had her wrists bent, and you've got to keep your wrists straight, or you're taking all the energy from the uh, action of the pistol. And they'll jam. A human would take all that energy from the uh, from the action of the pistol. A vampire might be strong enough to withstand recoil. So a vampire could like coil their arm around their head, <laughs> and they would have no 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 recoil because they would be like because they're so uh, they're strong. so strong. They'd be like I, whatever. I, I really love your ability to make things work. <laughs> It works for me because I'm like, oh yeah, that is a good point. Vampires do have different hu- strength than humans. Yeah. You know, if Buffy knew how to how to punch, <laughs> I would be down for this. <laughs> but the fact that she trains with Giles all the time and he's never bothered to tell her, hey babe, pulled your wrist straight, doesn't give me a lot of faith in any of the choreographers of this show. I would have. Giles would never say, hey babe, <laughs> to the Slayer. <laughs> No, I was going to say, Giles has, like, outdated manuals of how you're supposed to fight. Like, the Watchers haven't updated their files, you know, locking your wrist, don't use a quarter step kind of thing. A it's gentleman a- holds a gun, aligned with their nipple, <laughs> <laughs> with their wrist, family effects. <laughs> Alexander Hamilton would disagree with you. <laughs> Alexander Hamilton died in a duel, so I guess he doesn't know that much. He threw I bet away Aaron his Burr shot. would disagree with you. He threw away his shot. But yeah. which Hamilton are we talking? Lynn Manuel's Hamilton, or there is no, no other, other Hamilton? All right, fine, fine. Yeah. I can't argue. Everyone that. knows Alexander Hamilton is Hispanic. <laughs> All right. I mean, you're not totally wrong. <laughs> he came from the Caribbean. No, I'm 100 percent right. <laughs> um, fashion. Oh my God, 90s chunky heels. <laughs> so many chunky heels. Everybody's wearing chunky heels. But. Giles' scarf when they go to visit Joyce in the hospital is amazing. It's a beautiful silk scarf. Beautiful. And I don't know why he's wearing it, and I'm so angry that I don't see him wearing it more often, because it's fantastic. It reminded me of a couch print. Like, I'm 99% sure I've seen that on somebody's (laughs) couch. Like, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it, because I like red, and it was very striking, and it looked fantastic on him, but it definitely reminded me of a couch print. And I'm also pretty sure I have those shoes Buffy was wearing at the end when she was fighting Darla and Angel under my bed. Like, I'm pretty sure I saw them the other day when I was under there. Like, huh. Well, I was pretty sure I saw a lot of those prints on couches in the 80s, so it makes total sense to me that in the 90s they would have stripped that fabric off and made it all into scarves. 
Well, the last note I have written down is the master throws a tantrum. And like I said, he was a whiny little bitch in this episode. And that was a tantrum. Yeah. That was a great tantrum. I have to say, I've got to say this, and Donna brought this up on one of the first episodes. I can't take the master seriously because he's Niedermeyer to me. Like, I cannot. I know, like, to a lot of people, he is a big, scary deal. No, he's not. He's freaking Niedermeyer. And I can't suspend that moment of disbelief to be really scared for Bubby. Because I'm not. I'm like, she's going to team up with Bluto, and this is done. <laughs> this is over. And so I, I have a when lot of... the Germans of... bombed Pearl Harbor. That's an Animal House reference for you people that weren't born when Animal House was out. I don't think I ever thought the Master was scary, and I didn't recognize him from Animal House. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I... I was ever particularly worried by him. And I think it's probably episodes like this where he's just throwing fits and killing people left and right for no particular reason. And maybe I'm going by how they talk about him in the episode by saying he's supposed to be a big threat, but I can't, I can't buy that. (laughs) I just can't. Um, My final note is just friends still kiss. That's my final note. Just friends, still kiss. You don't? I'm going by my 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 friends, some of my, my, my previous friends, special friends, whatever you want to call them. No. No. Huh. It's weird. You don't just make out with all your friends. No, I don't. I, I had a think really, of my friends I make out. I had a really big urge to kiss Jay right now, but most of the listening people wouldn't like <laughs> get the benefit of that, so Yeah, yeah I and and I have coffee breath, so... Yeah, it wouldn't be good. Just be like that. Um, so, I'm really glad that that episode's over. I think it was a really sloppy way to... Like, we, we needed a lot... We needed to know the stuff that happened in here, and I think that's really a shame that I would have to tell somebody who's watching the show, no, you really do have to watch this episode. I, I tell it. you, the, the thought I had, though, when, when Darla died in this episode was I forgot, because she is so significant in Angel, that I forgot that she's actually not that significant in Buffy. I know, it's crazy, because whenever I think of, like, the vampires on Buffy, Uh it's Angel, Darla, Spike, Drusilla. Always. Uh It is always the four of them, and I I totally didn't even remember that this is how soon she's out. Yeah. So, we're not going to see her again until the end of season one of Angel? (gasps) I just thought of another really important situation in Buffy in which a gun is used by a villain. And Warren? I can't believe you didn't bring that up. Connor? Warren? No, Warren. Killing Warren. Tom. Oh my god. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't believe I... I yeah. PTSD, I blocked it out. I, uh, I, I thought of that when we were talking about it, and then I forgot to mention it, and we moved on. But yeah, Warren. And then Willow, then in Season 7, also waving a gun around. More PTSD. Yeah, well, I... I, I yeah, you're right. All yeah, right. But every time a gun is introduced, it, the danger, the stakes were raised. Like, every time a gun is introduced, it's definitely like, we're getting serious now. Something really bad is about to happen. Right. The guns tend to be scarier than the supernatural threats. Yeah, exactly. I do like that, though, with this show, that when they mm-hmm. when the, that, when they bring that level of realism uh, to it, that it to me it does raise the stakes. And yeah. It, in, in an uncomfortable way, but in a way you're like, 
Yeah. You know, maybe that's why I don't like Darla using the guns here, because I don't... Because I feel like here it was treated... With less respect. As, yeah, with less respect as guns are treated later. Like, she's just dual-wielding and being ridiculous and silly. Got her Doc Holiday from Tombstone pose, because <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. And, like... And, like, whenever you said you thought it was badass, Jay, yeah. like, I don't know, that freaked me out. Like... Well, it's badass because it freaks you out. Like, it, it, it not freaks you out, but like, it, 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 <laughs> not me specifically. Not you specifically, but like, it, it is it is scary and it's badass because it's scary. Like, it was a cool thing um, that raised the stakes. And but but you're right, it was not treated in this episode with the respect that I think it deserves. And if Joss Whedon did this episode again, I think you would agree that that moment. If Joss Whedon awesome. did this episode. For the first time. Ever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you would agree that that moment was done very well because Joss Whedon I'm, does it well. I'm actually really shocked that Joss Whedon didn't do... Like, I, I wonder why he didn't do this episode because there is so much important backstory yeah. to get into it. Yeah, and the death of a kind of an important character, I guess, but not... I, guess I mean, she wasn't important yet. I, we, like, we have no idea she, what their thoughts were. She was... Them. Okay, so in the script, it's, uh, it, it has the master say, she was my favorite. We've been together for 400 years. I feel like the script, I, I feel like that says to me, she's really important, and it's a shame that the show did not portray that effectively. Yeah. All right. I think uh, we need to wrap this up. I have one more. Can I one yes. more thought I had you, on the guns? You just real, real super fast. It does, though, Darla using the guns, and I just now thought about this listening to you guys. It does play into that trope that sometimes you hear the audience say, why doesn't the villain shoot the hero? Why doesn't the villain use a gun? And now you have this actually happening. So anyway, that was my... Yeah. Okay. That was my thought with it. Uh, do we have thank yous? Well, always definitely want to... And I'm clapping my hands like Debbie says I do when I say our thank yous. So. <laughs> You're going to sit on your hands I'm now. I'm going to put my hands in my pockets now. I uh, definitely want to thank all the everyone that's following us on Twitter. And if you're not, why not? We are at once more W Buffy. Um, just kind of posting if there's things you notice, things you like on the episode, things that you may agree or disagree with us. You know, talk to us about it. We love the interaction. And that's what I got. That's what you got. Okay. Well, we do have, we have the Twitter. And I feel like I had all kinds of things I needed to say right there. Instagram. Oh, hey. We have an Instagram. All right, what is our Instagram? Uh, once more, W Buffy. Ooh. Our username. Woohoo! Uh, there is one picture up there right now. My Maddox has opinions about Instagram. Maddox really wants outside. Give <laughs> um, us just just two minutes, Maddox. Um, it is once more W Buffy, and there's only one picture up there right now as of recording. But I intend to put more. So I, I posted a pic on Twit. You Twit <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. That you could put on the Instagram, and then we'll have two. Hooray! And Maddox is in that picture. So <gasps> Maddox, you're going to be on our Instagram. All right. Well, I think I think that's uh, going to be it for us, then, yeah, right? That's it. So thank you guys for listening, and uh, we're going to get to our next episode. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Do we want to talk about our sister podcast? We totally need to talk about our sister podcast. Not really. <laughs> Hush. <laughs> so. Uh, if you enjoy listening to Donna and Adrian, and they're uh, along with their friend Michelle and uh, Jay and I sometimes guest on it, uh, they have uh, Collective Snark, which is just a geeky 
pop culture goodness. Uh, latest episode, you guys talked about women in STEM, uh, which was I actually just listened to it earlier this week, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. My sister's on it. Oh, which is okay. The first Halloween, I really remember having a great time with my brother and sister. My little sister decided she wanted to be Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And so we got to sit in the backyard carving steaks <laughs> for her Halloween costume. Awesome. I love it. Uh, do you want me to go and talk about the other one, or do you want Jane to talk about it? I will talk about it. Okay, you talk about them. Our other sister podcast is Beyond the Cabin in the Woods, uh, where Kinsey and Adrian and I, along with our good friend Debbie, uh, talk about horror movies. And most recently, we talked about Prometheus, but by the time this episode goes up, I'm sure it will be something new. Correct. And we have a great time with that one, and you should totally check Beyond the Cabin in the Woods out. Agreed. Grr. Bulldog. We're the lead, you're the living. Bulldog, bulldog, we run out of tears to cry.